It was a fog-shrouded morning, July 4, 1952, when a young woman named Florence Chadwick waded into the water off Catalina Island in California. She intended to swim the channel from the island to the California coast. Long-distance swimming was not new to her. She had been the first woman to swim the English Channel in both directions. The water was numbing cold that day. The fog was so thick she could hardly see the boats in her party. Several times, sharks had to be driven away with rifle fire. She swam more than 15 hours before she asked to be taken out of the water. Her trainer tried to encourage her to swim on since they were so close to land, but when Florence looked, all she saw was fog. So she quit, only one half mile from her goal. Later, she said, I'm not excusing myself, but if I could have seen the land, I might have made it. It wasn't the cold or fear or exhaustion that caused Florence Chadwick to fail. It was the fog. Two months after her failure, Florence Chadwick walked off the same beach into the same channel and swam the distance, setting a new speed record because she knew where the goal was and could see it. As a pastor, I have an opportunity sometimes to sit with people that invite me into some of the most intimate parts of their lives. Maybe you've had the same experience where people share with me their most honest, painful, even angry questions. You ever had some of those? You ever had times when your heart was just so with questions and you didn't know what to do you didn't know if it was legal to talk to God like that and, but did you know in the Bible there are all kinds of angry, confused, honest questions the Bible doesn't God doesn't edit those out I wrote some of the questions that I've heard and the Bible talks about maybe this is yours why God why now? Why don't you do something? Why don't you answer? Why do you let the wicked prosper? How long, Lord? Here's from Psalm 13. How long will you forget me? Forever? Where is your justice? These are honest questions. And maybe you come with one today. I want to tell you that's encouraging because chapter 12 of Daniel has two questions that get asked. And I'm going to say this out front, but what's really, really aggravating is God doesn't answer them fully. Anybody ever feel like you ask really good questions and God doesn't give really good answers? Anybody relate to that? Daniel 12, though, has something hidden in it that I saw this last week that I think is a word from God for our church. And so I'm thankful to be able to study this last chapter together with you as we conclude our Daniel series. So if you would, if you turn your notes this time to the back, how's that? We'll start backwards. If you look at the back, you'll see that we've just put a review, an overview of where we've been this summer as we've studied all 12 chapters of Daniel. And we entitled this series, No Matter What, because God took Daniel and his friends through lots of situations 
that tested them like crazy. And the question was, is no matter what, what could they count on? What could they bank on? What could they learn through everything they went through? And so you can see where we've been. And then at the bottom, you can see the series sentence that we've repeated over and over and over again each week. And so would you read it with me? No matter what, God is in control. We hope that as we leave this Daniel series, you'll take that with you. We hope that those will not just be words to you, but that those will actually be an anchor for your soul. No matter what, God is still in control, even when it doesn't seem like it. Even when we're in a fog. Even when we cannot see, and when our questions do not seem to get answered, or at least not answered the way we hoped, we can still trust God that he's working somehow. So if you turn your notes back over, what I want you to see today as we come to chapter 12 is this, is that in chapter 12, Daniel's final vision, which started in chapter 10, and last week, Pastor Brian Wilmarth helped us look at the actual full text of that main vision, and now it concludes in chapter 12 today. Daniel's final vision is about the time of the end. The time of the end, if you're following along. It's a phrase that gets used a couple times in chapter 11 and a couple times here in chapter 12, the time of the end. Now, you know, we've talked about this. There's a fascination with end times. What's going to happen at the end? How's it going to turn out? And those are just honest questions. I don't think God is bothered by that. I think he wants us to be interested in that. He wants us to wonder about that. And these are mysteries that are huge, aren't they? And a lot of people are going here and there trying to figure it out. Maybe you've done that. But that's what this chapter is going to be about. And I want to tell you that I'm not going to solve all the mysteries of chapter 12. I don't believe God wants me to. But I do believe there are some things that we can learn. And so I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 12 right now. And if you're just getting used to a Bible, if you brought one, it's about two-thirds of the way back in your Bible. If you didn't bring a Bible, we say this every week, but we have some black ones that say NIV on the end of them and a seat rack hopefully near you. If you pull that out, it's on page 624, and you can just turn right to chapter 12 in Daniel. But as we look at this today, we're going to walk through these 13 verses. And what I want you to see is this, and this, this is the nugget that I want to eventually share with you. Twice, if you're following along, twice God replies to Daniel's question with the same counsel. So Daniel has a question. God gives him an answer. He gives him the same counsel, but it wasn't what Daniel expected, and it wasn't necessarily the answer he was looking for, but it was a better answer. And I want to talk to you about what that counsel was as we get more into the message but for starters, what I want to talk to you about is that even though we don't understand all the things that are going to happen at the times of the end, we do know some of them from this chapter alone, as well as other parts of Scripture, as we put that together. And I want to unpack that. So uh, would you pray with me? And then we're going to look at this together and look not only at the times of the end, but also at the counsel God gave Daniel. Now, Lord... I'm depending on you. I know that every person in this room needs to hear from you more than they need to hear from me. 
So as we look at your word together, would you come to every seat and speak to every heart? And I wouldn't pray a prayer this big if you weren't such a great God, but you are, and we worship you. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, now I'm gonna start in verse one. When I come to verses eight and nine, you'll see that first gray box. I'm gonna invite you to read that out loud with me. And we come to the last verse, verse 13, I'm gonna invite you to read that one with me. Deal? Okay, here we go, verse one. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people will be, at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes will sleep in the dust of the earth, who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. Then I, Daniel, looked, and there before me stood two others, one on this bank of the river and one on the opposite bank. One of them said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, how long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? You see that first question? How long? How long will it be till this is fulfilled? These are astonishing things. Verse 7, the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, lifted his right hand and his left hand. This is a way of showing this is absolutely certain to happen. And I heard him swear by him who lives forever, saying, it will be for a time, times, and half a time, when the power of the holy people has been finally broken, all these things will be completed. Now, would you read verse 8 and 9 with me out loud? I heard, but I did not understand. So I asked, my Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? He replied, go your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. I'll go on. Verse 10. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. From the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. As for you, let's read this verse 13. As for you, go your way till the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. Now, what I want you to notice is, again, notice that they're asking questions about, like, like when will this be fulfilled? You know, what's all this mean? How's it going to all turn out? And God, again, uses some kind of cryptic language, and he doesn't volunteer lots of, of things, but there are several things that we can know for sure, and I've listed some of those right here in this next section. So let's just walk and see what we can notice. First, Michael, if you're following along, will arise in a time of great distress. 
Michael will arise in a time of great distress. Pastor Brian uh, Schwarberg helped us see in chapter 10, where Michael was mentioned a couple times in verse 13 and verse 21, that Michael is an archangel. That even though we can't see the invisible things that are going on in this world, God has a mighty army of angels who are not co-equal with him, but who are incredibly powerful ministering spirits. Hebrews 1.14 talks about this. Uh, it says this. Let's read it together. Therefore, angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. And what it says is, is that God says right here, Michael, who is in charge of guarding and protecting your people, he will arise. Now, when's he going to arise? At the end of the, you know, the time of the end, we're given this news is it's going to be a time of great distress, unparalleled distress. In other words, the question is, will the world get better? No and yes. I'll explain in a second. The idea is it's going to have great distress. Jesus referred to this, by the way, in Matthew 24. Look at what he says there. He says, For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. In those days, had they not been cut short, no one would survive, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. So Jesus says the same thing. Look, at the time of the end, it's going to be incredible distress. Like if we think we've had like bad days before, mm -mm. this will be intense. Now most of us go, man, I was hoping to come to church for some encouragement. <laughs> Daniel must have thought the same thing. Could you give somebody else this vision? But this is the truth. And the sooner we deal with the truth, the better able we're able to react to it. God just says, look, here's what I want you to know, Daniel. This is what it's going to be like at the time of the end. But know this, and this is what I love, Brian, about your message last week, is when you said there will be invisible resources for God's people no matter how tough it gets. We have the power of his Holy Spirit who will live inside of us. We have the word of God as our compass. We have the body of Christ to help encourage us. And we have invisible angels who are helping us in ways we may not even understand until we're with Christ. But Michael will arise, fortunately, at the time of great distress, and he will make sure that God's people, everyone who's written in the book, will be delivered. Bank on it. Second thing, multitudes will awake, if you're following along, multitudes will awake to one of two everlasting futures. They will awake to one of two everlasting futures. Did you see that? It says in verse 2, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. This is one of the clearest Old Testament predictions of the resurrection of all people. It's crystal. Jesus, in case you're wondering, also reinforced this in John chapter 5. It says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but is crossed over from death to life. Very truly, bank on this, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. He goes on, verse 28. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves 
will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. Therefore, this tells us there will be a resurrection day. But as one person has said, resurrection day will also be division day. Friends, not everybody's going to the same place. Not everybody has the same future. This is one of the reasons we exist as a church, is because we want to make sure that we extend the good news of Christ to every person who will listen. We want every person to know that they can have a different future by trusting in Christ, an everlasting future. This world is actually not that long compared to eternity. And therefore, what we do here does matter, but there will be a resurrection. Third thing I want you to see is that the wise will shine and understand the wicked won't. The wise will shine and understand the wicked won't. Did you see that? Verse 3, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Later it goes on and says the wise in those days, we'll have a kind of understanding. It doesn't mean they'll know everything. It just means that they'll understand the times. They'll understand the opportunities. Meanwhile, those who are wicked, for all the fun they're having, they will be blind. They will not know what's really going on. They will not know the actual score. And this is powerful. What this tells me when I said to you earlier, will you know, the end of the world be a terrible time? Yes and no, because here's the thing. The Bible tells us that right alongside all this darkness and wickedness, God will shine through his people. Have you ever noticed that the stars shine the brightest when the sky is the darkest? Some of my missionary friends have said, the toughest, most difficult, most opposed, hostile times to the gospel have been the times when more hearts were open to God than at any other time. Go figure. I read this week what one man said, and I think he really put it well. So let me uh, read it to you here uh, as soon as I find it. It says this, The question is sometimes asked whether the world gets better or worse as it grows older. An optimist and pessimist take opposite sides upon it. But James Denny says this, Both are wrong. It does not get better only, nor worse only, but both. Its progress is not simply a progress in good, evil being gradually driven from the field, nor is it simply a progress in evil before which the good continually disappears. It is a progress in which good and evil alike come to maturity, bearing their ripest fruit, showing all that they can do, proving their strength to the utmost against each other. The progress is not in good itself or in evil itself, but in the antagonism of the one to the other. This is what we can expect. There are going to be some things that shine more brightly than ever in God's economy, and there are going to be some things that get darker and darker and harder and harder. Wow, it's a promise. Notice, though, that alongside this, if you're following along, many will be purified as they wait on God. Many will be purified as they wait on God. There is, God says, why is he going to allow this kind of stuff to happen? Because he's doing something that is not obvious to the human eye at first. He's allowing this kind of intense heat 
to build to the time of the end so that those who are the real deal will be purified and refined and made spotless by these things, whereas those who are not will be seen for what they really are in their hearts. What they really want will come out. Have you ever noticed that when you and I get in hot water, who we really are comes out? Have you ever noticed the steering heat? Maybe you've never heard about how gold is purified. Many of us have heard, but did you know it goes through such a searing, searing heat, and you go, why would you treat something that precious gold like that? Because it actually improves the quality of the gold while separating what isn't gold. Both things happen at the same time. And the Lord says, look, here's what you need to know. There's going to be a purifying, and you don't have to fear that because if you're the real deal, if you really trust in me and I've really worked in your life, that'll only come out more. It's not going to be easy, but it'll come out, and you will be glad in the long run for what you look like after that compared to what you look like before. Job said this, Job 23.10. This is a powerful thing. Let's read it together. But he knows the way that I take, and when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. Why? Because he's watching over the process. He's not just throwing us in the fire and going, see you in a little bit. He's watching over the process to bring out his life in us even more. Another thing I want you to see is that the wicked will continue to be wicked. And that's what it says here. Incredible thing. The wicked will continue to be wicked. Verse 10 tells us that and that they will not understand. Some of us go, like, wicked? I mean, I, I know that's a play on Broadway. Like, what is, like, wicked? Wicked seems to be, like, like way over the top. But did you know, like, over 450 times the Bible uses this word? So it's probably a good idea for us to understand what it is. So Romans 1 gives us a description of what wicked people are like. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but they also approve of those who practice them. You know, if I was to give a definition of the wise, the wise are those who are willing to walk with God. The wicked are those who are unwilling to walk with God. They may be hostile in the way they express that. They may be some of the nicest people you've ever met. But wickedness is an unwillingness to let God lead your life. And that'll show up in all kinds of ways when you and I walk that way. So his sin is those that are, you know, I used to think as a pastor, if you just help someone see the good news about Jesus, they'd trust Christ. I now realize that some people are going to stay wicked till the end by their own choice, by their own willfulness. It's a lot about willfulness. So, wow. So like, now what? I don't know about you. Does this make you go gulp? What do we do? So Daniel goes, like, what will the outcome of this be? 
You talk about the power of your holy people being broken, like what's that mean? I heard, but I did not understand. All these things, right? So twice, this is what I noticed when I was reading this passage this last couple weeks. I noticed that twice, God just says the same three words to Daniel. Did you see that? It's in verse 9, and it's also in verse 13. Here they are. Go your way. Uh, I'd like to stay. I have some more questions. No, he says, here's your job, Daniel. Go your way. What does that mean? If someone says, go your way, what does that mean? Does it mean just leave? Does it mean get out of here? Or does it mean, here's your job? You still have something to do, no matter what. And if you're following along, here it is. Go your way means never fear, trust me, and keep on walking. Go your way means, Daniel, never fear, trust me, and keep on walking. Some of you were here in chapter 6, where we realized that when Daniel found out that he was going to be thrown to the lions if he kept praying, says he went home and he prayed just as he had done before. Go your way means keep going. Continue in the path that I've marked out for you. Keep on walking. Don't quit. I love when Brian Wilmar said last week, these times are not times to panic. They are not times where we wring our hands and go, oh, it seems like God's left us. No, God's still in control, but he gives us a job to do, and here it is. It's really simple. Keep on walking. Keep on walking, no matter what. Some of you over the years have heard how Mother Teresa borrowed something originally written by Kent Keith. Here's what it says. People are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you're successful, you will win some false friends and some true enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and frank, people may cheat you. Be honest and frank anyway. What you spend years building, someone could destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give the best you've got anyway. You see, in the final analysis, it's between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. And what God says to Daniel is, Daniel, I'm not going to tell you everything that's going to happen, but I'm going to tell you what you can do based on what I have told you. And here's your job. Keep on walking. Keep on walking. Where do I get this phrase, keep on walking? It's the one that I hope you actually take with you to your car today. When I was in high school, my dad handed me some cassette tapes. Do you remember those? (laughs) 
They were by a pastor in Texas named Ron Dunn, who himself had a story in his life that I found out later. But he did this whole series of messages called Strange Ministers. He said, these are not ministers that stand behind a pulpit, but they are ministers nonetheless that God uses in our lives. Some of the titles were Minister of Failure, Minister of Weakness, Minister of Darkness. So I listened to these. I was in high school at the time, and I was doing a lot of thinking. I had met Christ a couple years before, and I didn't know all the things that were lay ahead of me, but as I listened, I, I remember thinking, this minister of darkness, he says, you know what the darkness is like? The darkness is when you can't see where you're going. You can't see how it's going to end. You feel like, you know, God's just turned out the lights. It's not necessarily because you've sinned or anything. It's just because God is, for reasons only he knows, taking you through times where maybe there's no feeling, maybe it's numbness, maybe there, you can't see your way. So I remember thinking to myself, wow. And he says, so as he talked about this message, he had a passage of scripture he was unfolding, and I'll never forget the advice he gave. What do you do when the lights go out? He said, keep on walking. He said, in the natural, when the lights go out, we stop. But in the spiritual, when the lights go out, we keep on walking with God. Anyway, we keep going. I wonder if there's someone in this room today that needed to hear the Spirit of God whisper to you, don't quit. Trust me. Keep on walking. Keep going. Don't quit. You see, the man that preached those messages, Ron Dunn, his son, on Thanksgiving Day, who he thought was going to be a pastor just like him, committed suicide. And for the next 10 years, he went through a depression that was so deep that by the time he preached this message, he was preaching out of what God had taught him in the darkness. Those aren't just words, friends. Those are our job. And for some of you, I have no idea how hard that may sound. You know, when Brian Schwerberg had three people up here sharing their testimony, someone had a marriage go a different way than they ever hoped. Another had a situation with their child that's absolutely taxing every hour of every day. Another talked about what it's like to have your whole world rocked by cancer. We have people in this church who cannot physically walk, but they have kept on walking in God's power. Some of us came into this room today and we are so filled with shame about what we've done in the last 24 hours of this last week that we wonder if we can keep walking. Some of us are persecuted at work. Some of us are laughed at at school and we wonder, is it worth it? What do I do now? Keep on walking. Keep on walking. So, I don't know about you, but whenever I see that, I always say, like, what's my, you know, like, like, yes, but how? So, two things. One, four weeks from today, we reconnect with our Ephesians series where we study the last three chapters. You know how verse one starts? I urge you to live a life 
worthy of your calling. In other words, walk it out. And we're going to talk about how to live out the Christian life no matter what comes our way. But for now, if I were to review back over the Daniel series and just net it out for you, that next line, notice, each day, here's three things you and I can do. Each day, acknowledge, serve, and point others to me. Each day, acknowledge, serve, and point others to me. We have 2 Corinthians 5, 7 there. Let's read this together. For we walk by faith, not by sight. And you and I, when we're going to walk, we have an opportunity so every day. So I didn't tell you later, a couple years after my dad gave me those tapes, I got into college and started with a bang. But early in my college career, I went through a time of depression for about two months. And I lost my voice in that time. As you can imagine, my friends celebrated. But I, it was a dark, dark time. The lights went out. Friends, I had known incredible sense of closeness with God, and for some reason, he took it away. I couldn't feel God. God felt like miles away from me. So every day, I knew I had a job to do, and that was to keep on walking, even when there is no feeling. So I remember I would still try and hide God's word in my heart, even though it was mechanical. It didn't seem real, but I knew that I still needed to keep walking. I still needed to think about other people and serving him and pointing other people to Christ. But I remember from those days, why are you downcast, O my soul? Psalm 42. Why so discouraged within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. And I knew that that would one day be true, that God would bring me through, but I had to keep walking. And maybe you're there. Maybe you're exactly there. Will you acknowledge him? Will you still keep serving him? Will you still keep pointing other people to him? You can do that. Notice this last thing, though. You remember how that gal quit swimming because she couldn't see the goal? She didn't know where it was going, how to, you know, exactly to see it? Daniel, God says in verse 13, he gives him one more thought, and that's it. here it is. He says in verse 13, if you're following in the notes, for you will rest, rise, and receive an inheritance. You will rest, rise, and receive an inheritance. He says, Daniel, I'm not going to tell you everything, but you need to know you have a great future. This is going somewhere. Because you've put your trust in me, there's going to come a time when all these troubles are going to end. You're going to be able to rest from these troubles. And as I already told you about the resurrection, you're going to be part of it. You're going to rise. And when you rise, it gets better even that. There's an inheritance with your name on it waiting for you that no one can take away. Some of you need to hear this today. If you keep on walking, it will be worth it all. It will be worth it all. It may be really, really hard, but it will be worth it all. Johnny Erickson Tata experienced an unhoped for event when she was a teenager when she became paralyzed in a swimming accident. Some of you know her life has been a testimony to so many people because she's kept on walking. 
She writes this in her book, Heaven, Your Real Home. In C.S. Lewis's last battle, the concluding book in the Chronicles of Narnia, there was not the usual, and they lived happily ever after. Instead, on the last page of the book, after scores of exhilarating adventures and journeys in all the previous books, C.S. Lewis wrote that now they had come to the beginning of the real story. All the previous chapters of the adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and title page. The real chapter one was about to begin, a story no one on earth had ever read, which would go on forever and ever, with each chapter better than the last. So let me ask you, what's God saying to you today? What would keep on walking mean in your life? Where are you? What is it that's holding you back that makes you tempted not to keep on walking? If you would, here's the prayer that you and I can pray if we're willing today. No matter what, Lord Jesus, if you're following along, I will trust you and keep on walking with you. No matter what, Lord Jesus, I will trust you and keep on walking with you. Daniel had a choice to make once God said this to him. Go your way, Daniel. He could say, no. Or he could say, maybe. But we know that because he wrote this book, he said yes. And I want to ask you a question. Has Daniel encouraged you? If Daniel's encouraged you, it's because he took his job seriously. And God knows what you and I don't know is what could possibly happen, what, what, can you imagine what might possibly happen if you keep on walking today? There may be someone who does not yet know the Lord that's watching you, and they may go, they kept on walking. How did they do that? God must be working in their life. There are people right now that are suffering around the world. You know what they turn to? They turn to Daniel because they know that the job for every Christian is to keep on walking no matter what. So we picked a song that we want you to listen to, but also participate in. It's a song that maybe many of you have not heard. It's a, it's a Bethel song called, you know, It Is Well. And the reason why we like this song is because there's this phrase in here, through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. And so as you listen, we, we just invite you, when you're ready, if you want to sing along, we'd love that. If you want to make it a prayer, that's fine. But when you're ready, if you want to stand and sing this along with Sarah, we would love it because this can be an affirmation of our desire to keep on walking no matter what. If you just remain standing, I want to pray for you. And uh, I know that for some of you to keep on walking, it may be one of the most defining moments of your life. And so we want to be a church that prays for each other and encourages each other. But also, please know that after every service, there's always people down front that would be honored to pray with you or talk with you about any unanswered questions you might have. And before we pray, let me just say that if you have not ever trusted Christ, I want to point you to Christ today. It's what God had Daniel do. He pointed us to a righteousness greater than our own. You'll never be righteous enough, neither will I. 
That's why God provided on the cross a righteousness from God in his son. And our job is to turn to him and trust in him. If you've done that, then keep on walking. But if you haven't, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He can do that right where you are today, and he wants to. So let me pray for you. Now, God, as we leave this place, I don't know what you've said to different hearts, different people, but I pray you'd seal it to their hearts. Show us how each one to respond to what you've been saying to us. And we're just so thankful that the time of the end is under your full control. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you.